Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Today, we will be talking about matters of the mind as it relates to Black History Month. Joining us today will be Tara Consolino, the Vision 10 Suicide Prevention Program Manager with the Department of Veterans Affairs, Jody Thompson of the Michigan Veterans Homes, Director of Psychosocial Services and Quality of Life. And coming back again is our good friend, Ronnie Cyrus, Reserve Component Transition Assistance Advisor and the Vice President of the Michigan Heroes Museum in Frankenmuth. As always, I want to remind you as we're talking about mental health and resources that you can always reach out to the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255, press 1 if you're struggling. And if you need connection to resources, you can reach us at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. We'll be right back after the commercial break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. And today we're talking about matters of the mind. You know, um, last week we were talking about matters of the heart. And I think it's really important that we talk about matters of the mind and um, seeking mental health, especially for those who may not be, you know, apt to seeking mental health resources out in the community. You know, I will say that um, I have been very open and honest about the challenges I've faced in life with all of you. Um, and as a disabled veteran and as the wife of a disabled veteran, I, I truly know firsthand that many wounded and disabled veterans face challenges as well. One of the things that I've taken away from uh, being a part of the Black community all my life is that, you know, uh, for me and my faith, you know, God can fix everything. And so, you know, when I was struggling with mental health and, 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 and I, I, I did as what they said in the military, I was sucking it up and I, I was driving on. And, you know, I was praying about it and I was going to church and, you know, there was this sense of guilt that if, you know, I had to trust God to fix it and I couldn't go to a therapist because that would mean that I didn't have faith. You know, it turns out that I came to the realization that uh, God creates doctors too <laughs> um, and mental health professionals. And so it wasn't until, you know, more recently that I sought out those mental health resources, but you know, really it changed my life. It, it allowed me to start to see where I was struggling and how I was compensating and how I can course correct to make sure that I'm making, making strides in my life that are not going to be uh, harmful to my health. You know, it, it may seem like the right thing to do, but working all the time and, and being what they call a workaholic is not healthy. You have to have some downtime. You have to be able to turn it off. And so uh, working very hard on that. But I say all this to encourage you uh, to seek the resources, even if you think you may not need them. You know, just like we encourage people to go to the doctor every year annually for a checkup, we sometimes need a mental health checkup as well. And sometimes we don't know we need it because we've been just living ourselves and being ourselves and not realizing that, you know, we all have a blind self. We have this part of ourselves that other people see that sometimes we don't see because we're in it. And unless we're talking with someone and working with someone, sometimes those things are never revealed. You know, I, I struggled, you know, after um, having my back injury in 2005, falling from a truck while in country and, you know, uh, the physical uh, limitations affected my mental health. 
And, you know, I wasn't connected to resources and I didn't have a lot of outside connections except for my children and my husband. And so, um, as I've told you before, my, my, my mental health uh, struggled and my, my uh, marriage struggled and my relationships with my children struggled. And, you know, um, I started to go down the path of uh, thinking that uh, I was not enough and that I was a burden on my family. I want to encourage you out there that if you're thinking that, if you're believing that, if you think that people are going to be better off without you, trust me, you're not alone in having had those feelings, but here's the good thing. You're not alone, period. You know, we are here at the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency to have your back. We have your six. We can connect you to whatever you may need. And and, and I promise you that when we're struggling with mental health resources, there's something that we're lacking. Whether we feel like it's, it's a relationship connection, whether we feel like it's a financial connection, whether we feel like it's just, we're just we, we need to get connected to meds because we are struggling with a persistent depression, but it's a resource. And so that's what we're here to do at MVAA is connect you to resources. And, and remember, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm imploring to you to know that you're not in this by yourself. There are many people within our agency and even those we are partnered with that want you to be, be successful in every area of your life. And we want to help you to get to where you need to be. We want to help connect you to the resources and benefits that you have earned and that you deserved. And it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a veteran or not. If you have served in the military, we want to assist you. And so if you're not able to get connected with the VA or you haven't connected with the VA, call us. We can get you connected. If you connected a long time ago or tried to connect and you did, you were unsuccessful, call us again because maybe we can get you some help with the, the new uh, VA administration as things have changed. And if you're not eligible for the VA, have no fear. We have vet centers throughout the state that will serve from honorable to dishonorable discharged military service members. And so you do not have to go this alone. And I, 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 I want to challenge you not to go it alone. I challenge you to know that we are here for you. I challenge you to give us some time to help you. And so, again, if you're struggling, you just need to talk to somebody. You just want to be able to, 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 to vent. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. That's the VA crisis line. If you're a spouse, you can call on behalf of a veteran as well. And if you need some other additional supports, you want to get connected to given hours. So that's outside of the VA, but it is mental health support that we can uh, connect you with. Or you want to get connected to other resources, emergency assistance, give us a call. You don't have to go through this alone like I did and like so many of our brothers and sisters have. And so, you know, I recently came across a quote from Brian Stevenson, the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative a human rights organization in Montgomery, Alabama, that said that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. So remember that we all are hard on ourselves, where none of us are perfect, but together we can get through this. So don't hesitate to give us a call and get connected. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Tara Consolino, the Suicide Prevention Program Manager with the Department of VA, about some of the, the ways that we can get connected as well. So stick around. We'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective.
welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Please join me in welcoming our first guest to the show, Tara Consolino, the Vision 10 Suicide Prevention Program Manager with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Tara is, uh, you know, Vision stands for Veterans Integrated Service Network, and she and her team provide guidance and oversight to suicide prevention programming within the VA hospitals across the states of Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. Dr. Consolino has previously worked with individuals suffering from severe and persistent mental illness, personality disorders, and has led community organizing and policy advocacy initiatives to address suicide prevention among those at high risk for suicide. And she is also a very active member of our, of our Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge team. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you so much, Director Adams. It's an honor to be here. You know, we're honored to have you. And I will just let um, the audience know that you were our, was it Veteran Advocate of the Year? The VA Employee of the Year. It the was, VA Employee of, of the Year. <laughs> that yeah. was incredible. That was really, and it was well-deserved. It was incredible. It's well-deserved. And we, can, we love that you continue to work with us on uh, suicide prevention and awareness. And so, you know, we, we are talking about Black History Month. And um, this week, we're talking about matters of the mind. And so as we, as we talk about the intersectionality of matters of the mind and, you know, uh, you know African-Americans or minorities, can you share a little bit about what mental dis health disparity is? Oh, man. Yes. For many of us working in behavioral health systems throughout the nation, it's imperative for us to be aware of so many of the factors that contribute to mental health disparities. For example, many people aren't aware of what this actually means. A health disparity is a preventable difference that impacts um, the illness or that impacts the illnesses experienced by uh, socially disadvantaged populations, which sadly, many Americans who are minorities fall into these disadvantaged populations. And many minority Americans may experience mental health symptoms that are undiagnosed, underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed. Um, and this can be due to cultural misunderstandings, linguistic or historical reasons, or simply because they don't have access to these resources. Yeah, that's good information. And I don't think we talk about mental health disparity enough. Um, so, you know, we talk about this, but what is the VA doing to address this? Oh, okay. So there are unique struggles and barriers that are found within social determinants for access to care, such as economic stability, um, neighborhood and physical environments, education, food scarcity, social context, and access to health care that impact our veterans in how they access mental health care and actually all health care. The VA, however, is emphasizing evidence-based practices, culturally responsive care, and mental health equity. We have a critical role to play in addressing the issue of racial and ethnic disparities in mental health status and care. And one of the things that you may have seen within our governor's challenge are the outreach teams, such as our Suicide Prevention 2.0 Community Engagement and Partnership Coordinators, who are focusing on raising public and provider awareness about disparities and encouraging dialogue about bias and assumptions. We have to open the lines of communication to be able to improve the capacity and number of providers we have in 
underserved communities. And honestly, as providers, we need to pause and increase our knowledge base on causes and interventions to reduce inequities and bias. One other thing, mental illnesses often go untreated, but this is especially true for people in racial and ethnic minority groups. Um, minorities, but specifically Black Americans, are only half as likely as their white counterparts to seek mental health treatment. And when minorities do, they are more likely to drop out before completing care. Um, and this is due for a variety of cultural considerations. For example, many groups prefer to handle their problems themselves, or they might seek care within their churches or their grandparents and so many other reasons that honestly, um, another contributing factor is a lack of providers who might look like them and understand them, who are culturally competent to treat them. And I'm proud to say that the VA is focusing on addressing these disparities. But again, we all have a role to play for this change. And it's important that all of our systems are focusing on this. Yeah, that is important. And I, I will say, you know, um, before you came on, I was talking about how I didn't seek, you know, mental health uh, resources initially, because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a woman of faith, and I'm going to church and God should fix this. And you know, I shouldn't have to go to a, a mental health person, because then that maybe right. shows a lack of faith. And you know, yep, and then I, I came to the realization that, you know, God made mental health providers too. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you know, I, I definitely encourage our listeners um, and their families to seek seek opportunities. And just like I mentioned um, earlier, you know, it's it's just like you do get a checkup. You should be doing a mental health checkup because just because you think you're okay doesn't mean you're okay. And people around you may not think you're okay. So, you know, uh, <laughs> get true. that checkup for sure. Um, so you, you were talking about like, you know, we can all do our part. What can listeners do to contribute to this? This is a big one. Um, so for those who might not be aware, I am a white individual. And so your listeners, whether they are white or black or green, um, it's really easy in today's society, in today's quote unquote woke society to say, I have no bias. I am self-aware. Um, but I have to caution, as uncomfortable as this is, the fact is we all need to engage in self-reflection to achieve awareness. And I would suggest that we pause, that we ask ourselves, what do I identify as racially, ethnically, religiously, gender orientation? And more importantly, what role does this play within my sense of self and then how I'm interacting with others? So when we're talking to individuals, the answers to these questions really assist us in confronting bias, prejudice, assumptions. And that first step is we have to acknowledge that all of us may make some assumptions when we're interacting with people. And that is the starting point. What do you, the list, to be culturally competent, are you missing military cultural education? Um, race, religion, LGBTQ+, this is an ongoing process and the key is, the key to addressing equity, specifically in mental health care, is explicitly addressing the issues of social and economic injustice, structural racism, and oftentimes this needs to start with us as the clinicians, our agencies, and our healthcare leaders.
That is so true. And, you know, as we, you know, continue to look at mental health and these disparities, I think it's important too that those of us, like, for instance, you know, me being African American, that I'm open and receptive to someone asking me a question for clarity and seeking understanding. And I think we have to just get to that point where we're not afraid to ask respectfully, but we're also not afraid to respond respectfully. And so um, I would just say, you know, we know that suicide is often a difficult subject and, you know, talking about it, where can people find out more information about how they can get connected? Absolutely. So I absolutely appreciate you um, bringing this up. It, the VA is working to increase the competency of our providers. We're focusing on how to be culturally aware, how to better serve all of our populations of veterans as we're collectively striving to impact uh, the lives of uh, service members, veterans, and their families. But as we're working to strengthen our systems, we ask that anyone here listening who might be a veteran, who might have a loved one who's, who's a veteran, that you don't wait that you reach out. Life absolutely has its challenges. Um, but again, as a veteran or as a loved one of a veteran, you don't have to solve any of these challenges by yourself. The VA is here, we're committed, and veterans who may not know where or how to start and how to ask for help need only to call the Veterans Crisis Line 1-800-273-8255 and press one. Thank you so much for joining us again, Tara, and I look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks so much. We'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. perspective. Our next guest is Jody Thompson from the Michigan Veterans Homes, where she serves as the, as the director of the psychosocial services and quality of life. She has a master's uh, pr prepared social work and has been working in the long-term care field at the Grand Rapids Home for veterans for the past 24 years. For the first 18 years, she worked as a clinical social worker, then was promoted in 2016 to director of social services at the Grand Rapids Home. Home for Veterans. This past summer, she joined the Michigan Veterans Home as the Director of Psychosocial Services and Quality of Life and works to su support the homes in Grand Rapids, Marquette, and Chesterfield. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I love that you're taking care of our, of our veterans who need it the most, and you're, you're working very tirelessly at the homes. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure if people know what you do. So can you tell us a little bit about the responsibilities as the director of psychosocial services and quality of life? Oh, sure. So part of my responsibilities is to, you know, make sure that the veterans that we serve in all three homes, you know, they have a great quality of life that when they come to a nursing home, they don't, our nursing home, they don't, you know, stop living, but they continue to live their very best life and we help them do that. So, you know, I work with the social work team, the, the activity team, some of the spiritual care team to provide the best quality programming that we can to ensure quality of life for all the veterans we serve. 
That's great. And, you know, I know that being a, a clinical social worker and, and, and being in that field, you know, we're talking about your work at the veterans homes, but I, I want our listeners to know that, you know, what we're discussing today can be translated across anywhere. So, um, you know, with that in mind, can you share the importance of promoting social engagement and how this can lessen signs, symptoms of depression? Absolutely. And not only just this depression, but even things when we might talk about later with dementia, you know, keeping our minds active and our, you know, our quality of life high, we can ward off those emotional distressors, we can keep our brains active and functioning so that we can keep it sharp. And, you know, maybe ward off some, you know, early onset, you know, dementia and those kind of things. And you mentioned dementia. I know that, you know, the homes um, have different wings for dementia patients. And I, I love the fact that each home or the homes are decorated differently so that someone with some memory loss or some memory issues can actually find their way home based on the changing of the patterns. You know, as you, as you talk about dementia, can you um, talk about how care for dementia patients has maybe changed in the last 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. As, as you mentioned, the new homes that the, the veterans homes just built, one in Grand Rapids and, and one in Chesterfield, you know, they have lots of different things. Even the, my, the favorite feature that they have is that they're named after neighborhoods that people with dementia, living with dementia may have lived in, like Grand Rapids or Grand Haven or Anchor Bay in, in the Chesterfield area. So it becomes familiar. It becomes a home-like setting. And um, we're kind of moving towards, you know, person-centered, you know, direct care has changed from a medical model to like, what, how do we live and how, what makes us happy? What, what causes our contented involvement? You know, we all have those happy places and those things that give us joy each and every day. And so that's the type of care that we're trying to provide and move away from the medical model of, you know, you have to get up at this particular time and you have to eat these kind of foods, but what, what makes you happy and what makes you, you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good information. And I, it's good that you all are doing that. And so I would ask, you know, as we're, we're talking about um, matters of the mind and we're talking about, and we're, we're doing this during Black History Month, I, I would love to know if you, if you can tell us if there's any, um, if it's a higher risk for dementia for males versus females or an older population versus a younger population or even, you know, uh, minorities or not, you know, it, are there different risk factors for different um, types of individuals? The, there are so many different kinds of dementia out there. You know, the one that's the most popular, of course, is Alzheimer's disease, but there's so many different, different kinds. So it, 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 it reaches all ages. It can reach all ages as early, like even Alzheimer's, as early as, you know, late 30s, early 40s, and all social economical groups and races and ethnic groups, um, it, you know, because there's so many different kinds out there. So everyone considers themselves at risk and need to really watch out for signs and symptoms and take early action. Early detection is the key here for quality of life. Well, I mean, does somebody in their 40s have to worry about dementia or is that just something that people in the older generation have to worry about? Um, I think that it's, you can develop, you know, a dementia in your 40s, but I think the older you get, the more the worries are. But I think what we need to do in our 40s is take care of ourselves, to eat and exercise right, to make sure that we're meeting with our doctors and we're taking really good care of ourselves, both physically and emotionally, 
so that you can, you know, prevent things from happening as you age. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good information. And so I, you know, can you share some of those early signs of dementia? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if you're thinking, you know, the most, the most common one that everyone is really well aware of is memory loss, you know, you know, you forgetting important dates and events and asking the same questions over again, over and over again, being repetitive, you know, some changes in your, your planning and your problem solving abilities, um, difficulty completing familiar tasks, you know, organizing your grocery list or remembering the rules of a favorite game, something like that. Um, confusion with time and place, you know, you're forgetting, you, you might forget a familiar way of getting somewhere and you don't remember how to, to come back or how to make your favorite recipe, things like that. Um, confusion with time, confusion with place, you might not recognize where you are, things like that. Um, trouble understanding, you know, the different spatial relationships. Um, new problems with word, um, with words, speaking, trying to, you know, come up with that word, or you might be in the middle of a story and you can't remember what you were t- talking about and you completely lose your train of thought and you, and you can't come back to it. You misplace things and you can't remember the steps to retrace them. Often when we misplace, we're like, okay, where was I last? Is it in my pocket? But you can't even remember where you were, those kind of things. Um, poor judgment and you tend to withdraw you know, confusion is at its peak and you tend to withdraw. Um, and then we often see changes in mood, depression, anger, and, you know, sometimes personalities completely change too. So any of those signs. Okay. And uh, is, is there hope, I guess? And, and as we wrap up, is there hope if we, um, if we catch it early? Yes, absolutely. There's so many things they can do. And the first thing, if you're starting to see these signs, of course, the first thing you want to do is go to go to your PCP, you know, check it out, talk with them about it. And there's tests that they can do. And if you do get diagnosed with, you know, some form of dementia, you know, there are treatments out there. There are, you know, clinical trials, and there's a lot of research going on to prevent it. Um, So you want to get an early start. And it also will help you plan, you know, how can I live my best life? What kinds of things are we going to do? Early detection is the key. Well, you've given us some great information and I hope that, you know, we, our listeners were taking notes and if you weren't, you can just download it as a podcast and listen to it later. Um, But I I will say, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing for our nation's heroes at the homes and ensuring that they they have mental wellness um, because it's so important what you do. So thank you. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. And, and I want to encourage anyone out there, again, like if you're not connected to healthcare benefits, you're not connected to the VA, give us a call at 1-800-MISHFED. That's 1-800-642-4838. If you or your loved one um, wants to find out if they're eligible to um, be a member at one of the veteran homes, you can either go to the website at michigan.gov slash MVH, like Michigan Veteran Homes, or you could give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838, and we can get you connected. As always, we're talking about matters of the mind. So if you're struggling or need someone to talk to, again, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 or text 838-255. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jody. And we will be right back on the Veterans Perspective.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. As we are wrapping up our last guest today, we are talking about matters of the mind today, but we also are talking about that during Black History Month. And, you know, our last guest last week was very animated and was able to share some really great history from the Michigan Heroes Museum in Frankenmuth, Michigan. And, you know, we wanted to make sure we had him back to talk about another story because we believe that it is so important to continue to remember Uh, the historic contributions of our um, African-American veterans and all of our veterans. And so um, you all remember Ronnie Cyrus. He's a reserve component transition assistance advisor and the vice president of the Michigan Heroes Museum. And just a reminder, he retired from the Michigan National Guard. He is a military ambassador to the NFL, a military ambassador to the NFL Hall of Fame, and just an all-around great person. Welcome back to the show, Ronnie. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you know, again, we're talking a little bit about Black History Month, and since we've been dealing with COVID, I just wanted to ask you real quick, how has the museum had to change? Well, like anything, we've met some, you know, we've, we've met the challenges and the obstacles, and, and we've uh, worked through the mask mandates and the, you know, COVID vaccine mandates, and we've done our best. We've managed to keep our doors open, and we're doing well. We love the more visitors, the better, but we're a, we're a very, very sanitary place and very easy to get to and get in and get out, and we hope, uh, we hope when you do come that you'll have a wonderful experience and a safe experience as well. Well, you all heard that, right? So uh, you can you can go ahead and visit the Michigan's Heroes Museum. Bring a group if you need to. So, um, you know, we're talking about veteran stories, and I want to know what veteran story has left the deepest impression on you. Well, there's a couple of them, but you know, you're also we also talk about resilience, and resilience is huge for me because I think of the soldiers that we have lost uh, since 9/11, not just from uh, combat injuries, but through the injuries that uh, the silent injuries, the post-traumatic stress disorder, and those battles that service members fight when they come home. And I think of men like Command Sergeant Major James Thompson from Detroit, and. Um, you know, we, we want to talk about resilience, and I would love to tell you the story, if it's okay, Zanetta, if I could just tell you the story the way we do at the museum. Would that be okay? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Sneak peek. So, James Thompson, he was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. He moved to Detroit in 1936 after the death of his parents, and he lived with an aunt and uncle until he was drafted into the Army in early 1941. As an African-American during World War II, he saw service in the European theater. He served in a number of capacities with the Signal Corps infantry and the field artillery, and Jim decided to make the Army his career. So following World War II, he served a tour in Korea in 47 and 48. In early 1950, Jim found himself back in Korea after the North Korean Army invaded South Korea. Jim was a sergeant at the time and was wounded and taken prisoner while serving with the 2nd Infantry Division in the Kunrai area. It was December 1st, 1950, just before Christmas. Thompson's artillery unit protecting the Western sector had landed at Pusan four months earlier. A major offensive had kicked off late in September and had succeeded in driving the Reds back some 150 miles north of the North Korean capital of Pyongyang. Jim was branded, he was taken prisoner and he was branded as incorrigible. Incorrigible, the definition of incorrigible is beyond repair or beyond help. The Korean prison guards 
knew they could get absolutely nothing out of Jim. He was branded incorrigible and unbreakable. The charges against him had reigned from obstructing the studies of others to violating the Geneva Convention. He was tried under Chinese communist law, and he was given a two-year sentence, which was to begin at such time as hostilities concluded. When the Korean armistice was negotiated, Thompson's prison sentence, along with the 50 others, were commuted. Command Sergeant Major James Thompson was the last black soldier released by the North Koreans. In his 33 months of captivity, his weight had fallen from 185 to 96 pounds. Now, Dr. Adams, I don't know about you, but both of us being veterans, I couldn't imagine being locked up for that period of time. And he came home and lived a wonderful life. He had a family. He found focus. He found purpose in his mission to live. And you would never have met a more honorable man. And I just thank God that we have service members, not just black service members or not just white service members, but the veteran and yeah. what they've done. And it's just amazing to me that we're able to tell these stories and keep them alive. That That is so true. Um, you know, Lonnie, we've had all, veterans of all types that have made some great contributions. And I love this story because as we're talking about matters of the mind, you mentioned resilience and, you know, just looking at how he was able to hold out and, and remain strong and stand firm um, and uh, remain resilient is just a true test of matters of the mind and, 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 and mental health and being able to, you know, now the next step, right, when we're dealing with being resilient and standing strong is making sure that we're doing follow-ups. And so that's what we've been talking about today. Um, you know, when you talk to veterans, I know you help veterans all the time. How do you help them deal with stress from either their service or the issues they're facing today? Well, there are a lot of different resources, and depending on the um, depending on the situation, I guess some some men and women just need to have a conversation, and I want to be there and be an ear. Uh, some are dealing with much bigger battles, whether it be family or children or or post traumatic stress disorder, and they're having those suicidal ideations. We have wonderful people throughout this state in the community mental health program, and it's you know sometimes we think of government agencies as being you know very difficult to navigate, but we have the Veteran Affairs Agency has community mental health navigators all over this state that are willing to jump in and help. And every veteran out there, I don't care where you're at, find an excuse, an excuse to go on one more minute, an excuse to go on one more day, and find a purpose and a reason to make your life better and make the sacrifices of our brothers and sisters worth living for. And that's just the kind of message that I want our veterans to know that, you know, you have a purpose and you mean something to me. You're part of our tribe and we need you. That is, that is important. And I think, you know, to add on to that, you know, I want to add that, you know, everything that you said is correct. And to add on to that for our veterans is that you're not alone. And I, I, I know that that's important because as we talk about, you know, right now, we, you know, we're talking about Black History Month, you know, we'll be talking about Women's History Month next month, but each of us is unique but we all crave human connection. And so, you know, continue to, to know that one, what you've gone and dealt with, you're not alone in that. Somebody else has dealt with it too. And, and, and many of us can empathize. And so Ronnie, you are a true uh, patriot in the sense that you are always connecting with veterans. You will, um, you know, 
I've seen you give your last sometimes to make sure that a veteran is taken care of, last of your energy, last of your time. And so uh, I appreciate what you do, not only in the veteran community, you know, with the reserve component, you know, transition program, but also with the museum. Telling these stories allows us to see ourselves in these veterans and think, you know, if he can hold out and be strong and resilient, then maybe I can too. Well, thank you. And, and, and again, every one of you veterans out there, including myself, I'm just so happy you're a part of my tribe. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I love what you're doing. Where can people find out more information if they want to get a group together and come to the Michigan Heroes Museum? Michiganheroes.org. We're located at 1250 Weiss Street in Frankenmuth, right behind uh, Zender Splash Village. And, and we would love to have you out there. And if you pop in and you have your veteran ID card on you, uh, tell them you heard it on the uh, Veterans Perspective, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure you get free entry. It is a cool, cool museum. I can't wait to come back and probably bring some folks with me. And so um, I, I definitely want to thank you again for your time today, Ronnie, and for always being available and ready to share the history and your wisdom about our veterans here in Michigan. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And the honor is all mine. Thank you, Ronnie. So, and I want to thank the rest of our guests today who joined us, Tara Consolino of the VA, Jody Thompson of the Michigan Veterans Homes, and again, Ronnie Cyrus of the uh, Mich Michigan Heroes Museum. You know, uh, I just want to remind you all that we just launched a new website. Um, MVAA has a new website. It's still at michigan.gov slash MVAA, but we have you know, uh, updated some things on there where you can find veteran service officers right in your area. So check it out. And, and don't forget, we had some heavy topics today, but you're not alone. We're here for you. So give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. If you're struggling with crisis or your loved one is struggling with crisis and they're a veteran, call the crisis line at 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Thank you for joining our show today. And we'll see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.